Education today can be difficult and draining and amazing and fulfilling and so many things all wrapped into one. The dynamics of what we do can leave us needing every ounce of inspiration and motivation we can get. I've been a principal and educator for over 25 years, and I find my motivation and inspiration in many different places. As a principal, I often find it's my job to inspire and motivate and energize the team around me. I have to be the principal inspiration of my school, but what things inspire me as a principal? Welcome to Principal Inspiration, a podcast for educators. I'm your host, Rick Hunt, and these are my thoughts about the people and the stories, anecdotes, observations, and conversations that are my principal inspiration on any given day. My sincere hope in sharing is that you might be inspired as well. I hope this podcast leaves you feeling energized, challenged, and ready to go be awesome. Our students deserve nothing less. Mr. Bass was the uh, music teacher at my elementary school. Now, Mr. Bass, I, I don't know how, how long he had been teaching. He, w- he was definitely a veteran teacher. He'd been around for a little while. And um, as, as we would go to music every year, you walk into Mr. Bass's class, the first thing you notice is Mr. Bass. He's a big guy. I mean, this was second or third grade. And so my second or third grade mind pictures Mr. Bass as like six foot five, probably you know, about four feet wide and, and this bald head and these glasses that he had on. And I, I honestly don't know if that's how he looked. That's just how my brain remembers Mr. Bass. And so you see Mr. Bass and then you see the rows of chairs. Mr. Bass had a piano uh, kind of set off to the left to the front of the room. Then there was a desk and, and then he had kind of a stool that he sat on while he taught, chalkboard behind and then there were rows of chairs. And you'd walk in, you'd file in down the center aisle, and then you would take a seat right or left, depending, as Mr. Bass would tell you. Eventually, you'd receive an assigned seat as you came in, depending on how you sang, whether you were soprano, alto, bass, whatever it might be. And Mr. Bass would arrange his room. You'd have an assigned seat. Now, each and every year, Mr. Bass would start off the same way. You would come in on the first day, and you would sit down, Mr. Bass would then begin to go over the rules, like teachers are apt to do, right? We, we have to set the procedures, the expectations for learning in our classrooms. Well, Mr. Bass had a very unique way of doing this. Uh, not so much the rules, they were pretty normal. You know, come in quietly, be ready to sing, be ready to participate, uh, don't goof around. Um, but Mr. Bass then, he would, he would walk over to the right of the room there was this tall metal cabinet, and it was a big cabinet, two giant swinging doors, open from the middle, pulled out. Mr. Bass would walk over after sharing the rules, and he would grab a hold of the handles of that cabinet, and he would swing those doors open. And I can vividly remember the screech of the, the metal hinges as these, these doors swung open. And then inside, the first thing you notice, I can remember stacks of music books. I, I, I remember seeing a xylophone and some flutophones, and I remember a tambourine sitting on the shelf. and uh, So all the things you'd expect to see, except for one. See, on the, on the left-hand door, hanging on a hook, was what I vividly remember as a boat paddle. Uh, now, I'm sure it wasn't quite that big, but... <laughs> My second, third grade brain remembers it being about four feet long and, and about as thick as a baseball bat. And uh, so there hung a paddle. This paddle had holes drilled in it. And it had bass written across the front. Mr. Bass would look at the class and he would simply say, Ladies and gentlemen, meet little Mr. Bass. 
Little Mr. Bass handles the discipline in my classroom. If you come in and you don't follow my rules, you'll have to talk to Little Mr. Bass. Then he would reach over and grab those cupboard doors and he would swing them shut. And it was, I mean, just a resounding boom in my second grade mind as those doors closed. That was the doom closet, right? That's where Little Mr. Bass lived. And you never wanted Little Mr. Bass to have to come out. And I, I never, never ever saw Mr. Bass and never heard any little Mr. Bass. And I never heard any rumor that little Mr. Bass had ever come out of that closet, but the threat was there, right? Now I am not advocating that that is how you discipline or you set up the discipline in your classroom. That is not why Mr. Bass was an inspiration to me. I I tell that story because that is who I remember Mr. Bass being. I honestly don't remember much else about his music class. I remember a few songs. Uh, I remember uh, Over the River and Through the Woods. Uh, I can remember a couple of Christmas uh, program songs that we were singing to get ready. Beyond that, I really don't remember much more about his music class, except for that. Now, my mom would tell it differently. See, I remember Mr. Bass as this big scary guy. And I also remember that in his classroom, uh, you know, I, I said that he kind of arranged everybody depending on how they sang. I got stuck way in the back, back with the bass, but off to the left because he kind of had me over there because I really just wasn't that good of a singer. And I knew this. He never really told me that, but I, I you could kind of see it when his eye twitched when I tried to sing, right? So I, I kind of knew that I wasn't the best. Now, Mr. Bass was... Someone who, when I was going through and couldn't sing well, he was someone who clearly paid attention. See, Mr. Bass took the time to listen to all of his students. Now, this was not a small elementary school. The school I grew up in probably had, I remember, four sections or so, maybe five sections of each grade level, 25, 30 kids in a section, K through 6. So it was a big building. And... Mr. Bass, somewhere along the way, heard my voice out of all the other students in the classroom that were singing. I don't remember singing for this guy individually or independently or anything, but he heard my voice. And he was concerned. See, somehow he noticed that there was a kind of a rough edge to my voice, and he called my mom, and he told her, Hey, Mrs. Hunt, um, I think Rick has an issue with his voice. I really think you probably ought to get this checked out. My mom took his advice, and she took me to the doctor, a ear, nose, and throat guy. And I remember sitting in that office, and he put a little mirror down my throat, and then he talked to my mom and I about the fact that I had nodules on my vocal cords. And their their decision was that that was because of the way I was breathing. I wasn't quite breathing right. I, I breathed more through my chest than, than my diaphragm stomach, and that was causing me to force my voice. And because I was forcing my voice, I was uh, hurting my vocal cords. Now, I don't know if over time that that would have done any severe damage, but I did go through some speech therapy. I did learn to breathe a little differently. And over time, that rough edge to my voice kind of disappeared. Now, that, I think, is one of the reasons that I feel inspired by Mr. Bass. See, he he and all of the other students, that he, he could hear my voice. He was able to identify there was something concerning with mine in the midst of all of the other. And I think that's what great educators do, right? We are able to separate out each student as an individual. We're able to have a concern for each one. See, I remember Mr. Bass is this big, burly, scary guy with little Mr. Bass hanging in his closet. My mom remembers Mr. Bass 
for a different reason. Because he took care of the one. He was able to go take care of me and make sure that I was okay. And without that, you know, I wouldn't have this opportunity. So I'm doing this podcast um, partly as a project uh, for myself. I was listening to another podcast, John Spencer. John Spencer has some amazing material. Uh, if you look him up on the internet, um, go to his webpage, listen to his podcast, read his stuff. He's got a couple of books. He's just, he's an amazing educator. Lots of incredible ideas. And I was listening to his podcast as a part of a project for a, a program I'm in where I'm supposed to listen to podcasts and then reflect on how they, how they inspire me or what they, what they change in my practice. And I was listening to John's um, series on professional development. And embedded in that, one of the titles of his podcast is The World Needs Your Voice. And John talks in that podcast about the idea that the world really needs you to share what you know. As a, as a professional educator, you should be talking about the things you've learned or the things that you do. And that is both a gift and a get. Meaning that what you share, what you tell in the world is, is an opportunity for you to inspire or, or support someone else in their growth as an educator. But at the same time, by sitting back and reflecting on what you know in your practice, you kind of sharpen your own sword. And so I really thought that was inspiring to me because when I listened to it, I, I started to think about this idea, do I have a voice? How am I sharing? What am I doing? And could I do something? Well, John talks about, you know, write a book, uh, write a blog. He, he gives all these different ways that you can share. I'll let you go listen to his podcast. I don't need to repeat it all. Uh, but he really comes down to this idea that you need to use your voice and share what you know. And, and in doing so, you can develop each other, but you can also develop yourself. And so that's where this podcast came from. As I was listening to that, I started thinking about what I could do to kind of share my voice and to also, I'm definitely a a verbal thinker. I like to talk. Um, and as I talk, that's kind of how I think out loud and kind of get my ideas in order. And so this is an opportunity for me to do something I love. Now, something that I love, but that may and or may not, I don't know 100% for sure, but may not have been possible in the same way if a teacher named Mr. Bass in an elementary school in Kettering, Ohio, hadn't taken the time to understand and recognize one individual student's concern. Because without Mr. Bass, I don't know if the world would get to hear my voice. I want to tell him thank you for that. Isn't that all of our job? To make sure our students' voices can be heard? To make sure that we are doing everything we can to support each individual as an individual? Whatever their concerns are, whatever their needs are, to make sure that we are doing what we can to reach out, to take care, and to support to make sure that those students can have a voice in whatever way it is that they're going to grow and whatever way it is they need to express themselves or whatever it is they're going to be. We want them to have a voice. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And I want to again thank John Spencer for telling me that the world needs to hear my voice. I don't know if anybody's ever going to listen to any of these, but I have enjoyed putting this first podcast together and I can't wait to do more. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are a teacher principal, any part of the school system, a parent with a student. It is our job to support our kids, to make sure that they have their voice heard. And each one of you, I hope that you were inspired today. Now go be awesome.